Hello, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. My name is Stephen Hill. Here's a name, B. Renfrey Dedman. Hello. Yeah, that was your cue to come in. I said hello. Quicker next time, please. Oh, sorry. Oh, you yeah, just yeah. took a big old pause. Wasn't we don't have time for this, Renfrey. All right. We don't uh, have time, mate, because <laughs> this is the Rioters <laughs> Review that you're listening to. Um, thank you very much. If you're listening to this on its release or near the time of its release, then obviously you've gone over to our Patreon page patreon.com forward slash right podcast for the people who haven't i'll get on to you in a second um and signed up for um for our patreon page which means you get to pick uh, an album for us to talk about which is what we do here on the writers review we should say if you give any amount of money obviously we're massively 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 thankful you did that um but we would like to point you in the direction of our best work which is the five pound tier so if you're not on at that moment five pound tier gets you two classic album series every month as well as these four writers reviews that you get and you're getting one of them right now uh it comes via the suggestion via the mind the brain of luke you've just put luke down renfrey uh that's probably what do, luke put down i mean that, oh, I probably is, yeah. you know <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, anyway. I, I wouldn't have i wouldn't have not put luke's surname down out of protest or anything like that i have nothing <laughs> against luke maybe Maybe he's got an offensive surname. Who maybe. Knows? Maybe he's, he's um, Luke. And you Luke. were too much of a snowflake to write it down. Uh, maybe he's quite apt Luke for the album we're talking about. Yeah, maybe. Like, <laughs> well, we'll just call him Luke. Um, Mr. Spunknuts, su- thank you. For your he suggestion. suggested He suggested A Weekend in the City by Block Party, the second album, the sophomore album from the band Block Party, uh, which was released on the 24th of January, 2007 um block party renfrey um yes. block party are uh, an interesting band and they were they're a band that i've sort of hinted at how much i like quite a few times in fact i believe i brought their name up on our venn diagram of riot act uh episode zero um but oh, did, did did i bring them up or did you bring them up maybe you brought them up i don't remember um i think uh no i brought them up i did bring them up yeah. i mean my feelings now are radiohead cover all the basis that block bases that block party do so i probably would have argued to put radiohead instead but um right. yeah yeah but yes um they formed in 1999 at the reading festival as quite a few bands did apparently muse formed at the reading festival they saw radiant's machine as well or they said they wouldn't come back to reading until they played it I don't know, something like that. Ah. Uh, but anyway, they actually formed um, by the kind of the lead the lead guy, Kelly Okareke. Is that how you say his name? I've I'm, never known how to say it. I'm happy to go with that. I don't know. I think it's Okareke um, or Okare, Okareke. It's one or the other. Uh, anyway, uh, Kelly, who, how as he will, should be known as from now on um it's kind of Crikey. i don't think i don't think it's any controversial thing to say that he is the sort of the driving force and the the main dude in block party really is he well really? he, he's the only guy left in the band i think exactly. these days so so yes um in fact mm. i saw them live a few years ago so i can talk about that a little bit later okay good um <clears throat> i have to say i've spoken of quite a few times about um the uh, what would you call it my yeah my my indiization 
that I was going through in the sort of early part, like the the middle or the latter of the first half. Of that is the, definitely uh, the what you would, that is definitely what you would call it the Indianization. Yeah. yeah, and I bought a lot of bad albums mm. around that time. K by Cooler Shaker. Well, I probably had that from 1996. To be fair, mate, I'm thinking more. <laughs> I had worse albums than K by Cooler Shaker. We had a fucking Fratelli's album in my house. Whoa. Hanging, hanging around. That was a, it was a present, admittedly, but we had a Fratelli's album hanging around. We had the fucking like, Kaiser Chiefs album. The I gave you the bravery. We had that. Oh, God. Stinking a place up. Yeah. We had some stink, stinky, stinky albums mm. like hanging around like a bad smell around that time. Mm. Mm. Um... I would have put and Black I, Party in with all of those bands if it hadn't been for two my two friends who introduced me to this band. But yes, I would have. I think a lot of people them. feel like that because they definitely yeah. came from that post libertine scene, definitely. that explosion of your razor lights and blah blah blah. Um, I got Silent Alarm in two thousand and five, and I've often said there are a few gems to be found within that scene that people don't talk about so much. Definitely, I would say. The first Future Heads record is all right. I think editors are pretty good. I love editors. And, yeah. Interpol. And I think, do Interpol count? Well, they're from America. So okay. Oh, so British. Okay. Um, and um, Maximo Park's first record is really good. Mm -hmm. um, and Silent Alarm and Block Party in general, for me, are absolutely the standout band. I'm gonna I'm gonna band. say this, and it sounds like you'll agree with me, but Silent Alarm is the best album of that scene slash era for my money it's definitely brilliant, brilliant definitely album. it's aged, I mean, aged we, really well as well i listened yeah. to it whilst we were doing this it's aged really well it's a fucking fantastic record yeah silent yeah. alarm and it was i mean i think i've said before how when i was younger new metal was starting to get a bit boring to me so i was drifting away from it and trying to sort of, and then System of a Down came out, and that pulled me back in for a minute. Or then Slipknot came out, and that kind of pulled me back into it for a little bit. I was in 2005, very definitely drifting away from that type of thing. Mm. And then I heard Silent Alarm, and it kind of dragged me back into that stuff again mm -hmm. a little bit mm -hmm. um, because it's that good. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to hear another band who were as good as Block Party are and Silent Alarm. There aren't any. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I um my memory of it anyway, I might be fucking up the timeline here, but I went away after my first year of drama school, went back home for the summer holidays, and when I came back in September to start the second year, my housemates at the time were just obsessed with this band Block Party. They'd gone to see them together over the summer. Um and uh I basically discovered silent alarm through osmosis through them really and just uh, i was a little reticent to it at first because at first i think i was just like oh no it's one of those indie bands i'm not gonna like it but then you know just the strength of the songs just came through quite quickly and i was like this yeah. band are fucking great and i became a, a fan alongside them and as a result we uh listened to their music a lot back at home i i think of oxford when i think when i listen to block party um because that's where i predominantly got into them and i remember when this album came out we were in the third year at drama school at that point and um i think we all bought it together as a matter of fact i think we all ventured into hmv in oxford and bought it all at the same time i've got my copy oh. right in front of me 
That's nice. I, yeah, I got the CD plus DVD edition uh, with a lovely red jewel case here that I'm flashing in Steve's face. Um, I can't see it at all. It's completely... There we go. Sorry. There you go. Good. Um, which, I mean, this was a very big thing at the time as well. We we did mention this on a podcast recently, but I think it was the Lamb of God one, so it hasn't come out. But uh, CDs that came with DVDs, and most of them were a total waste of time. And um, this is a prime example of one of them that was a waste of time. Um, just two mm -hmm. music videos and a sort of 10-minute interview from the studio where they're all going, well, we've not really recorded it yet. We don't know what's gonna what it's going to sound like. Uh, so, you yeah. go, well... I I've got, I've got it. I've now. got I it. I can hear yeah. what it's going to sound like myself. <laughs> yeah. um, so a bit of a waste of time, but I have that version. And um, yes, uh, do you remember buying this record? Um, Were you excited about it coming out before it came out? Sort of, sort of. So I don't, I do remember buying it, but I want to kind of jump back into Silent Alarm a little okay. bit, just quickly, because I thought Silent Alarm was brilliant, but then because everything else that was coming out was crap in the interim i then got by 2007 i was way into sort of real quite i was that was when i started getting into sort of extreme metal and stuff so yeah. block party had i don't say they disappeared from my radar completely but i wasn't playing the record as much and i certainly wasn't listening to that type of music in the same way as much at that time definitely definitely not yeah. um i didn't really know what kind of band block party were really i mean silent alarm i was like what is this it's been called kind of post-punk and it got called indie but that's vague isn't it they're, they're like term very vague terminologies for such a uh for an unusual such an unusual album i think well i think what block party did so well was a very difficult define to define combination of uh indie post-punk and electronica um, which which was brilliant because it managed to sound organic while still having these electronic elements. And I think that's what Block Party achieved extraordinarily well on Silent Alarm. And I think they achieved it uh, the majority of the time on, th on the follow-up as well, Weekend in the City. Um, I think it ran away with them a little bit after that. I mean, we can go into that later, I suppose, uh, post mm. this record. But, but that molding of electronics and uh electric guitars and drums and bass in a way which feels human i think is something that is really brilliant about this band they had what a lot of those bands had the kind of franz ferdinand's and all those sort of bands had that kind of disco beat that yes which everybody was doing everybody was doing that at that time and I found that quite off-putting, but what they surrounded it with yeah. was so different and and weird and and lyrically was far more interesting because I didn't quite know what Kelly was singing about half the time. Well, so, it's, it's not on this record, but um, Helicopter from Silent Alarm is like mm. their version of that song that everyone was writing around this time. And yeah. Helicopter was just 10 times better than the 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 same fucking song written by all those other bands you know all those shitty bands that we yeah. don't need to talk about so um so basically to kind of go back and, and answer your question um due to just being i absolutely had in two in in early 2005 i would have still have paid attention to the nme for my sins 
by 2007, I wouldn't have paid attention to Kerrang, let alone the NME. I bought Terrorizer religiously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I didn't even realize Block Party had an album out like when, when this oh, came right. out. Um, I bought Metal Hammer and I bought Terrorizer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't buy any other music publications. And I was, like I say, getting into like death metal and, you know, sort of tentatively trying to get into black metal, which is, which I still am, to be fair. Um, and I think I went into FOP probably about a year after the album came out, or maybe towards the end of it, because it came out in January. So I'm guessing it sort of would have been dropped in price after yeah. about eight months. Yeah. Um, and I definitely was, I was, yeah, because I was living in Hammersmith until, in, I lived there in 2006, and I lived there until 2008, uh, 2009. So, yeah, at some point over those years, I think it was pretty early on, I do remember getting, um, getting this for like five quid, three quid something like that and being like I should listen to that because I did really like that first record and I can't just listen to Deicide all the time I've got to listen to something else um and I still thought they were brilliant do you know what I mean I still just I I put it on and I was like is this gonna have eight because I I I kind of felt like this was is this this is the acid test was I just an idiot who had really bad taste for a few years or am I an idiot now who only listens to metal or am I actually able to differentiate between a good... Because I thought this was a good band. Let's see if they actually are a good band. And when I put it on, um, I think this has some absolutely excellent songs in it. I agree. Like really, really excellent parts. I don't think it's as good as Silent Alarm. No, no, definitely not. Um, I think Silent Alarm is all killer, no filler. I think... Yeah. And a lot of sophomore records are like this. I think the first half of this record is fucking scorchingly brilliant. And the yeah, second half is quite good, but a bit ploddy. It's different, isn't it? I mean, it's certainly, you mentioned that electronic stuff. Um, and obviously, we're, maybe we're looking at this with 2020 eyes because Kelly now is almost as well known for his work as an electronic artist as he is for a guitarist at this yeah, point, really. Yeah. He's been doing that for a long, long time. And Block Party, and he he delved very very deep into that world within about four years of this record coming out um but there's certainly a more pronounced uh like electronic pulse to this record i think than the first block party record yeah i mean a lot of that was probably to do with it being produced by uh jack knife lee uh, I yep. would have thought, but certainly songs like um, even a song like "Waiting for the 718, which is like their Mike Lee moment, you know, um, mm. has kind of like an electronic pulse coming through it. I mean, "Song for Clay" disappear here is such an amazing opening to that record, a song in like five parts, um, and it goes to so many places. Um, do you know what that references? "Song for Clay" disappear here. Um, I don't actually. Is it? Cassius Clay? No, it's the debut novel by um, Brett Easton Ellis, Less Than Zero, which I read around this time. Um, and is a great oh, novel. Did you? Yeah, I really like Brett Easton Ellis. Um, but Clay is the main character in that uh, novel. And I think in the very first scene in the book, he's driving on the highway and there's a turning which has a sign which says disappear here. And he takes that turning and that's how the book starts. So. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, they i think i think this is a really experimental 
uh, album, probably a far more experimental album than I gave it credit for. They were very much going into new musical directions and trying new things. I read about um, a process where, I mean, if, I, if I'm understanding this correctly, they put a brick onto um, the the pedal on a piano that makes the, the notes sustain. Um, and then they put that piano in the drum room and then they they did that to try and cap capture the reverberations of the drums against the piano strings just to give it an ominous kind of uh air to it i suppose so they were they were experimenting with some really interesting highly stylized production values and and weird production techniques taken from neoclassical music and r&b and hip-hop and it was taking from a lot of different things and they were they were using reamping their uh amps and using all these different pedals and interesting delays and so on and so forth and it creates it should be a mess really but it it's quite a beautiful smorgasbord of all these different sounds and and moments uh this record particularly the first six tracks i think i think it does drop off a bit towards the end um towards yeah. the middle stuff i like should say stuff like sunday where He's talking about watching the football down the park and stuff. There's yeah. a little bit more the jam. Than yeah, yeah, yeah. I probably want Block Party to be, to be honest. I think, I mean, especially when it's so, I mean, obviously we should talk about Hunting for Witches, which is mm. one of their biggest songs. Mm. Great I think song. it was the, I think it was the first single on the album. <clears throat> um, th it was actually the third single from the album. That goes to show... Uh, wow. The fact that I thought it was the first one when it wasn't goes to show how kind of omnipotent as a, you know, kind of definitive a song of this record it is. What were the first um, two? Um, the first two were, I still remember, and I'm guessing Prayer. Oh, yeah. Uh, it prayer, was, no, yeah. the Prayer was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I still yeah. remember. Okay. Which is a great song. I think yeah, the Prayer's a, brilliant. It's a, a great song. Yeah, really, really good. Um, Honey for Witches is essentially one of the more similar ones to uh, is, is, is more of a silent alarm-esque so, like oh it's yeah. just hey look remember what we did on the first record it's not going to be loads of that but here's one massive fucking tune yeah. that is yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. similar to what we were doing before um inspired by the um the seven seven tube bombings and the media's reaction to it mm -hmm. um it feels like I was listening to it today and just for kind of clarity as to when we're recording this, we're recording this on Saturday, the 20, sorry, Saturday the 30th of May. And we've just had, uh, we've, we've woken up today to the news that America is looting and rioting. Um, and the racial tensions are incredibly high in that country at the moment. And it feels like the entire world has got his eye on it. And I listen to this song and it feels incredibly pertinent to me mm. and it still feels incredible. The themes of it are still resonating about the media's, I guess the media's part in stirring up division and hatred and uh, do you know what I mean? And, and alienating people from each other. Um, spreading the rhetor rhetoric that it's an us versus them uh, kind of uh society that we live in i suppose yes 
Absolutely. It's just as pertinent now as it was then. Uh, I think a lot yeah. of the lyrics on this record are. Um, funnily enough, um, critically, they got torn apart for the lyrics quite a lot. Kelly got torn apart in critical circles quite a bit for the lyrics. And I don't actually think they're bad lyrics. I think, no, uh, I don't. I think fundamentally, a lot of um, critics just totally misunderstood what he was trying to do, which is basically just sort of mix the boring and mundane, you know, waiting for the 718 with mm. sort of... I don't know, more esoteric, interesting uh, ideals and, and, and trying to make it a record which is about living in the city, basically. And I think it I think it works really well. You know, I think it's a really interesting mixture. And I think these phrases that come out, which sound very boring and mundane, are there on purpose, you know. It's uh, also very, it, it's blunt as well, isn't it? I mean, the message yeah. is is it can't really be you know but now it's terror airplanes crash into towers the daily mail says the enemy is among us taking our women's and taking our jobs all reasonable thought is being drowned out that you know the east like the kind of the esoteric and um more abstract stuff that he was saying on silent alarm uh is is not this this is as clear as any song ever ever made could ever have been but i think actually you know <clears throat> those media outlets that and that, that we're talking about that this song is about they exist in blunt you know headlines which absolutely are like boom stamp there that's the thing yeah. foreigners are bad that's the thing right or whatever more so and now than they did then i think because these days yeah. it's all about getting clicks on websites and they want you to click on the article so yeah yeah and i think actually <laughs> it's almost like a kind of satirical lyric sheet going i'm using your own tools against you of being that blunt and that yep. obvious you know what i mean so mm -hmm. um i actually think it's a a, a very powerful song yeah, uh, I think and it's, it's great. A, and, and it's a it's a great song as well, isn't it? It's just a great song. Absolutely, yeah. Hunting for witches is is indispensably brilliant. It's incredible. Um, but yeah, like I say, it is the the third single. Uh, the other singles, and we mentioned the prayer and uh, flux being the other two. But it's the other bits on the record. I think like 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 most albums of this type. The singles aren't necessarily going to be the more interesting things on it. No, um, and there's plenty of, like you said, experimental weird shit on here, which they probably learnt from Radiohead. <laughs> most of I these think, bands. I think the Radiohead aspects really started to come out with this record. Particularly, they were there with Silent Alarm, but I think. You know, I really admire Block Party, even now to an extent. I mean, I'm less interested in Block Party these days, as we might get into if I talk about that show that I went to. But um, uh, they, they, all of their albums are different and they've explored different things. They went on to release Intimacy, uh, their third record after this, which was pretty purely electronic, you know. Yeah. Um, it was definitely tooted, touted, touted as their Kid A and all this kind of thing. Definitely not as good as Kid A, um, but <clears throat> and quite a surface level thing to say as well. I think um, you know it's hardly a carbon copy of Kid A or anything like that. But it was that whole sort of 
rock band, indie band turns electronic. But of course, the difference between Block Party and Radiohead is Block Party had those electronic elements from the start, whereas Radiohead didn't, you know, and didn't exactly. really, really bring them in until arguably the Benz, but really more OK Computer, really. Mm. Um, I mean, Intimacy came out so quickly. It did come out fairly, fairly quickly after, you know, it's, it's a year later, basically, isn't it? Yeah, and actually, and it was it's kind of halfway through the year. It's two thousand one's released in two thousand seven, but right at the start of two thousand seven, one's released halfway to, through yeah. two thousand eight. So about that's months. happened before, but yeah. it's yeah. it's pretty rare, especially when you've had such a successful record. Which you know we'll talk about the charting positions. They're quite phenomenal, I think, charting positions that that Block Party achieved over their career mm-hmm. because they are a challenging band. And I think we, I mean, as we sit here again, you know, nineteen seventy five and number one. Mm-hmm. pretty much across the world at the moment uh, with their album. And I mean, we've just reviewed it and it, we can say like, I I, imagine, I would get less annoyed with people comparing Block Party to Radiohead than I would people comparing the 1975 to Radiohead. Because I think Block Party Same. do have a, I think like our kind of thing with, with 1975 was, you're a good pop band, but mm. you're not really much more than that. Whereas I think Block Party do have, even in Intimacy, which I think is is not, you know, it's not as good as Kid A or Amnesiac no. at all. But to me, it's good enough. Mm. Like it's a, I, I, I think it's quite a good album, actually. I think it's quite an enjoyable record. And, and I was quite like, oh, when I heard it. Um, it certainly got a critical mauling that I don't think it deserved. I it remember did, yeah. reading a two-star review in the Guardian or the Indie or I don't I can't remember where it was, but, but absolutely tore it apart, you know. And uh, yeah, it wasn't. I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people made out. Although I don't think, bar probably around Silent Alarm, I don't think Block Party were ever um, critical darlings. Really, I was really surprised. I popped on Metacritic to see what the score was for this, and it's a score of sixty-four. Which I think is quite low for this record. I think it deserves to be in the high seventies. Well, Intimacy is sixty-nine on Metacritic, so Intimacy is above A Weekend in the City. Oh, that's a surprise. Okay, which seems very strange to me. Um, mm. But yeah, but I mean, this a is way City, this is way better than Intimacy, isn't it? Yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely is. Um, also, like I say, for an odd, but this is getting. I suppose. It's not complete 2007. It's not completely gone. The idea that if you're actually kind of, if you're someone with a guitar, you have to be, you know, shit and boring or you won't sell any records. Um, Because Biffy Clyro would go on to do some fucking amazing things and get to number one. Absolutely. But still, I think getting a number two on the UK album chart with A Weekend in the City, getting a bloody US Billboard 200 top 20 record. Yeah, I think it's pretty incredible. It got to number twelve in the US. Yeah, yeah, number yeah. Two in Australia, number five in New Zealand, number five in Germany. I mean, and need we remind people that these bands around the Britpop era that were saying they were the biggest bands in the world, yada yada, were not getting those. They were getting those sorts of um, places in the UK, but not anywhere else in the world, really. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, it it did very well internationally. Obviously, they were the biggest here. Uh, by quite some distance, but it it did do well internationally. I I, I think it's funny because again, I often mention my girlfriend who is American, and I go, "Was that big in?" And I always I know she's going to say, "No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't big. No, it wasn't big." 
Block Party actually are one of the few ones where she's like, oh, Block Party. Ah, and there, interesting. there were a bunch of, I think there was on the kind of college scene, Block Party were quite a kind of cool band for a while. I can see in block, America. I can see Block Party working really well in a place like New York, you know? Yeah. Uh, you've been to New York, haven't you? I've been to New York. Yes. I don't know why. I don't know what it is about New York, but they just seem to fit that world very, very well. Um, mm. I mean, fuck knows how they do in sort of middle America. Probably not very well, but then music doesn't do well in middle America, does it? Unless it's country and western. Not really, no. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, no, I think, I think they had much more international appeal than a lot of the bands that we would probably assume had an international appeal had. That's a badly constructed sentence, but hopefully I understood what I meant. I did understand what you meant, yeah. <laughs> but it's a, although it ended really quickly, so it did, you know, yeah, um, it, <laughs> yeah, it did end, um, it did end quite quickly. Abruptly, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yes, the, the New York thing because anything that's a bit post-punky and you start thinking about, you know, um, Talking Heads et yes. al. Yeah. Uh, is going to do fairly well and and also i mean let's not forget i guess when i said that that drum beat that everyone that that was the strokes wasn't it yeah and they're from new york yeah and the strokes pretty much kind of popularized and everybody fucking nicked it but block party to their credit i think on a weekend in the city rarely use that drum beat it's far more it's far more although like you said they are a much better band than any of those bands on silent alarm they're still kind of one of those bands on a weekend in the city, they are less one of those bands. I think. I think there's Definitely. still nods to stuff like, like the jam, um, on the lyrical approach, and there's a bit of like the more simplistic and a bit kind of, you know, lardy da, like Blur's kind of lardy da. We're English sort of thing. I think they they lean on that. They lean on. Um, they could be an American band on Silent Alarm. I think they couldn't be an American band on A Weekend in the City. Definitely. Especially on songs like Waiting for the 718 and stuff like that. Yeah. About talking about going to Brighton on the weekend and all that sort of thing. You know, definitely. Yeah. This is a very British record. Um, but I think it's all the more powerful for it. Um, mm. <laughs> I was just about to say the most obvious thing in the world. <laughs> and stop myself but fuck it i'll what say it that? now um i was about to say this really this record really is the midpoint between silent alarm and intimacy isn't it but then it literally uh, is the literally midpoint. is <laughs> you can use literally in the way that it was always meant to be used as well Renfrey, so, but it is you know, but it is music but it is musically as well i think i think this i think this record obviously we didn't know it at the time but i think this record does sound like a mix of intimacy and yes. silent alarm yeah. it's weird isn't it because i think block party are one of those uh, sometimes you look back on band's career and you go bloody hell i didn't see that coming or cool they really and, and block party not to call them not an interesting band because i think they are an interesting band but i think you can look back at everything and go oh, i can kind of see how or why that would have do you know what i mean like i yeah you can see that how that sense. how that came into being i suppose to, to broaden out my point even more and to make it less obvious than it already is the jump from weekend to, in the city to intimacy isn't doesn't feel alienating but if it had been from silent alarm to intimacy i think that would have been too alienating a jump yeah 
Yeah, I, I definitely, definitely agree with that. Um, this is the second best block party record. Sort yeah. of clearly is. I think so. I, I believe I've only heard the first three. Um, so I haven't heard. I think it's just called four their fourth yeah. album so i can't include that and maybe it's some masterwork some hidden masterwork that i don't know about but it, it, it is pretty simple when it comes to block party for me my favorite albums their first my second favorite is their second my third favorite is their third um and i've sort of assumed it will be the same for their fourth but who knows um yeah i mean what i would say is hymns from 2016 is not the best record i mean i don't think it's a it's a quite apache record um but it's a bit better than it was received i mean there's some kind of i mean well i i'm not going to suggest remfrey really listens to it to be honest everyone because <laughs> you were like shitty r&b about some of the things from the 1975 album that i actually liked so i think maybe you might want to avoid hymns okay uh but i i have a little bit of um a, a sort of soft spot for those things so you know I, well I well, Steve, I believe, and I may be incorrect on this, but I believe I saw them on the Hymns tour. Yeah, let's talk about that then. And it would certainly make sense what you're saying, because obviously, predominantly, they played stuff from their newest album, which I think was Hymns, um, which is fine. I saw them in a church in East London, somewhere near Dalston but I can't remember what it's called. But just to set the scene, I was in a church. It was nice. Sounds lovely. <laughs> it was very nice. Um, lot of twats at the gig. <laughs> lot of twats. Obviously. It was quite irritating. Um, but yeah, they came on and they played a lot of new stuff and I didn't really like it. I have to say I didn't really vibe with it. It did feel like the sort of thing that I'd need to give a few goes um before i'd get into so i was trying to be somewhat hesitant in uh, my appraisal of the show but then at the same time they played a lot of the new stuff i believe the album wasn't quite out either so it was a relatively brave thing for them to do i think it was out like in a few days kind of thing um when they they played a couple of songs from Weekend in the Sea, Hunting for Witches, for example, and they played a couple of songs from Silent Alarm. And when they played those songs, um, it was a little bit manic-y, uh, as in the Holy Bible was shows. It? A little bit in that it felt like a totally different band, and it didn't really feel right that they were playing them. They didn't. It didn't. They didn't feel totally, totally invested in them. I thought um because they've made so many changes i mean as i said earlier i think I, I might be getting this wrong but i believe kelly is the only original member of the band left i think uh you think you're you're right actually yeah um and it did have the the show did have the feel of kelly and a bunch of hired musicians really it didn't feel like a band for me well, actually, that's not true. Russell Lissack, the lead guitarist, um, oh. uh, is actually has always always been in the band. My bad. So My bad. when when they sort of went away, um, there are two people that have been in the band since 2015, basically. Okay. So I think they kind of they just stopped doing. They never really split up, did they? But they just sort of stopped. No, they, that, party for a bit. I think they went on hiatus for Kelly to have mm. a solo career and stuff like that. But, you know, they've never yeah. stopped, stopped. 
Um, Do you know yeah. what I'm going to say to kind of close this up, Renfrey, is that these, in like, as much as we moan about metal bands and their continual, let's go on and on and on and on, and it never gets any better, and, you know, they get, slowly get worse and worse and worse. Indie bands do that far more, with far more regularity, and they do it quicker as well. I, I can't disagree with that. I think the difference between indie bands and metal bands is metal bands, and the, please, this is very, very, very broad, so please don't at me, but very, very broadly, metal bands will stick to the same thing and do it over and over again, where indie bands will often try something different and alienate their crowd as a result, I think, generally. Yeah, um, that's probably true. Generally. Uh, but yes, there's certainly, I proposed a feature idea, which I'd still like to do at some point called the sophomore slump, where I was yep. going to look into this idea of why bands would release an amazing first record and then follow it up with a bit of a stink. Shatterproof is not a challenge. Shatterproof is not a challenge was one of the examples I put down. Um, yeah. I put Mumford and Sons down and Babel, you know, um, there's so, yeah. and, and it's very prevalent in indie where a band release one astonishing record and then fail to follow it up the music i would put into that you know but that record is just a record which you will treasure for the rest of your days um i mean i suspect it's something to do with bands second guessing themselves if you yeah. have the opportunity to get any sort of big commercial appeal or get any sort of living from making music you will start to ask yourself questions and you will start to go, well, maybe if I did simplify this or maybe if I did take that guitar lead line off and it made it a bit simpler and made it a bit easier for it to translate to radio and it meant that I'd be able to buy this car instead, you know, maybe those temptations would get a bit too much. And I don't think metal pen bands tend to have those temptations because they're not writing commercial music. So that yeah. is my truncated theory as to why that happens. I was going to do a whole podcast mm. on that, but I just spunked it. Uh, but yeah. well, well, we can still do we that. We can still Doesn't do matter. it. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I broadly agree with you, I think, actually. Um, there you go. Block Party. Uh, a curious case of Block Party, a band who have got kind of worse and worse <laughs> as their career has gone on. Yeah. But yet, but yet are still at least interesting always yeah. interesting I yeah think. no I, I will like i said i've not heard the fourth block party album but i do kind of want to listen to it I, I i would because i'm sure whether i like it or not i'm sure i'll at least be interested in it i don't love intimacy but i find it i mean i love intimacy but i don't love the record intimacy <laughs> <laughs> um but um but i do still find it an interesting record so well, there you go. Thank you, Luke, for your suggestion. And thank you for listening. Um, however you have found this podcast, thank you. Thank you for signing up to patreon.com forward slash right act podcast for whatever amount it is. Again, we're going to say you should probably get the five pound tier because that is really bloody good. Um, and if you're listening for free, this has been out for bloody ages. You should have decided you could listen to it ages ago, you fool. Yeah. Um, but thanks for at least giving us your time. We appreciate that. So we'll be back with another one of these really, really soon. Uh, thank you very much. We'll see you later.